Hello, everybody. Welcome into episode 46 of the Take a Swig podcast. This is Swig, and we're back after the divisional round. NFL is down to four teams. We're heading into conference championship Sunday. A lot to talk about with some exciting playoff games over the weekend. We're going to take a look at the four teams who got eliminated over the weekend on divisional round. We'll see what went wrong, look into the future for them. And uh, going forward here, it's like we're going to talk about the teams that got eliminated. We'll predict the games this upcoming Sunday. And then uh, sometime in the future, we'll do an episode where we talk about the head coaching hires, GM hires, things like that. But we'll save that for uh, sometime in February. Before we get into the talk for this week, I got a full house with me today. Start off with Blake, my guy. How you doing? Uh, Great, as always, Doug. Yeah, you've gotten way too cocky the last few years, and I don't like it. But we'll we'll get into the Chiefs game later. We also have Nick with us. Nick, how you doing? Brian Johnson got fired. Sean Desai and Matt Patricia are gone. It is a new year in Philly. We're doing great today. All right. Now, that's a vibe I can get with a little bit. Uh, a lot of new coordinators. I'm sure we'll talk about plenty as the uh, offseason gets here and, well, throughout the rest of the playoffs because we'll see a lot of movement, I'm sure. But let, let's just dive right in here. So start off with the games from Saturday. Uh, the first one was the Ravens beating the Texans 34-10. to That No no big surprise there. The Ravens' number one seed, and they took care of business at home. Looking at the Houston Texans, I know we talked a little bit before we started recording – I don't have a ton to say here. They had a great year overall. C.J. Stroud was electric as a rookie. Will Anderson was great. I, I don't have a ton to say in terms of they they should have done this or that. They had a great year. They overachieved. I'm excited about their future. The, the one thing I will say is, uh, or one I will ask you guys, is Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator, do you think uh, there's a chance he gets hired for one of these head coach openings? I'd say not yet. I feel like we need to see another year of this offense before we can start talking about him taking a job somewhere else. Yeah, I actually completely agree. Um, Did Brian Callahan become the Tennessee coach? Yes, he did. That was one of the hires. Yeah. Um, But with the Texans, um, I don't think he'll get a head coaching job now. What's interesting about the Texans, I wouldn't say like exactly about their future but the AFC South is going to look pretty good moving forward Anthony Richardson still got Trevor Lawrence and the Jags and now you got the Texans who overachieved but now it's going to be interesting when you're the hunted and not the hunter so it's going to be different you know you're going to have people playing their best ball and not like they don't already but when you've proven you're uh you're a good team people are going to try a little harder so we'll see how uh, they can replicate but I love CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryans I love what they're building Right, it's all about the all right. right off the oh, right off it. the rip. I'm coming out with a hot take. Oh boy, Houston's gonna run the AFC South for the foreseeable future. That is a hot take. Confident, not no, no uh, worry about Jacksonville or the Colts. Yeah, no sir, Tennessee. No, the they're too inconsistent year. for me. They're too inconsistent for me. I Houston has the right players in the right places. This is a young squad with a good head coach. I feel like they're going to run this division. Are they young and unheralded and know how to get and to they the know quarterback? how to get to the quarterback? At least Will Anderson does. Sure. 
Will Anderson definitely does. It, and the Texans trading up for him in last year's draft is obviously something that will be talked about a lot, but it was a, a hell of an aggressive move. Uh, for, going back to what Nick said, I would agree that it might be a little bit more difficult next year for the Texans just because they won't have the element of surprise and teams will be able to game plan for Stroud a little bit better. But I still think the future is very bright there. Thought D'Amico Ryans did a hell of a job in his first year. And when Blake and I did our episode last year, ranking the head coaching hires, he was my favorite. And even I, I did not think it was going to be this good this quickly. And there's still a lot of draft capital for Houston as a result of the Watson trade, even though they did give some of that to Arizona when they moved up for Anderson. There's a lot to be excited for here. They have money to spend. So I, even though they lost and it was a relatively one-sided game, I don't have to, to pick at here. I think the future is bright, and they had a hell of a year. Well, you agree. It was a one-sided half. That is it. Yeah, it was tied at halftime. That's fair. But, but they were allergic to the second half. But I, I still wouldn't hold that against them. And, like, I, I just want to hit on how insane it was. I know it happened last April, but it's just insane to me still that they were able to pull off having two top five picks. That was a so when I was there in Kansas City, like the quarterbacks getting picked got big reactions. Other than the picks of Young and Stroud and Richardson, when Houston traded back up to number three, and, and they said, "Yeah, there's been a trade," and Texans are back on the clock. That got the biggest like shock gasp the entire night. It was it was really cool. And uh, hoping if we go to the draft in Detroit, we hear something like that again in a couple months. But that's a that's a story for a different episode. Now, I want to move on here next uh, Saturday. What You got something, Blake? Oh, I just I wanted to confirm with Nick. We watched that together, didn't we? Uh, yes. I for, yeah. yeah. I think we went to B-dubs for the draft. Oh, we can do better than that. No. We usually go to the tin caps before and get drunk and then watch the draft in my house. Thirsty Thursdays. Yep. Remember, we had the Thirsty Thursday where we saw Blake Snell pitch a rehab start for the 10 caps and then left to watch the draft first I night. Did, yeah, I did that too. Yeah. yeah. That was amazing. The reoccurring theme. Yeah, it's a good theme, man. I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, uh, moving on here, the second game on Saturday night was the, the Packers game against the 49ers. San Francisco pulled that one out by three. Lot. Uh, so now I saw the second half of that game, give or take. I was in New York over the weekend. I was at a Knicks game Saturday night. And then uh, when I walked over to a sports bar after, it was uh, early third quarter. So I saw the rest of the game from there. So I'm not going to lie and say I watched this one start to finish. But obviously there's going to be plenty of talk about the missed field goal from Anders Carlson. Jordan Love had a, a hell of a finish to the year other than that last throw at the end. But I do think the Packers, who are the youngest team in the entire NFL, also overachieved this year and went further than people expected. I think there's a little bit more to pick at with them than Houston, just because the expectations were a tiny bit higher. But overall, I think this is another team that's overachieved and is well set up in the future. My, yeah, I would say oh, – no, Nick, go ahead. Uh, uh, um, my issue with the Packers moving forward, it's not the team and how young they are. I trust the coach. I don't trust Joe Barry. He sort of definitely gets to survive another year. Um, but what I what kind of worries me is now the expectation with Jordan Love. He goes, he gets hot at the perfect time, and now everyone's going to start comparing him to the last two quarterbacks. 
And it's a little premature for me. I am a Jordan Love fan. I like uh, his uh, throwing mechanics. I love his leadership. I, I see a lot of good things in him. And he doesn't have the greatest supporting cast around him for skill position-wise. But I, I think it's going to be interesting how he can handle the expectations moving forward. Because people are already talking about him getting a massive contract after this. And because his uh, options coming up. So I think... I think people need to pump the brakes a little bit on this Packers team. There's going to be some pains, but I like where they're headed. I'm just a little worried about the expectations. I still like them as a team as a whole. Now, to uh, piggyback off of you, I would say that I agree. I want to pump the brakes a little bit on this team just because they are so young. But I do feel like Jordan Love's going to be able to handle the expectations because he's had those expectations since he got drafted. They were expected to take a wide receiver, and they took a replacement for their franchise quarterback. <laughs> the Packers thing to do first round. Now the Packers have been uh, and, and so far. It's been really effective, right? Like, obviously, Rogers sat behind Favre for a couple of years. Love sits behind Rogers for a couple of years, but because he was the backup for three seasons, like Nick mentioned, the fifth year option, which I believe the Packers picked up. So next year will be Jordan Love's fifth year. And then, but he'll need a big contract after that. And it seems sooner than others because Love has only been a starter for one season. The quarterback market is obviously ridiculous. So if he does sign a long-term extension in Green Bay, which I expect him to do, it is going to be at least $40 million, if not more. That seems to be the baseline, right? Because the guys on the lower end of the contract spectrum with quarterbacks, whether it was Daniel Jones or Derek Carr, were getting around that amount. Jordan Love is going to get more than those guys did. He's younger and, frankly, played better. So, I it, it, like, as young as the Packers are, I don't like Joe Barry either. Like, they have a very young, exciting group of wide receivers. There's a lot to like here, but once Love is on a bigger contract, it will limit how much money they have to spend to upgrade their defense. Yeah, and that – window becomes even shorter than what it is with most teams that draft a franchise quarterback in the first round because you know the three years that he sat behind Rodgers now I am very high on this team but I'm not going to go as bold as I did with the Texans I feel like they're a good team moving forward but obviously like Detroit is the team to be in the north which feels so fucking wrong to say that feels so wrong coming out of my mouth Detroit's <laughs> an NFC championship game. <sighs> uh, what a world we live I, in. I mean, one thing we can guarantee, though, the Bears have a new dad. That's Jordan Love. <laughs> and uh, the Jets have a new quarterback in 2037. Exactly. <laughs> uh, if that actually happens, man, we're living in a simulation. But the um, the, the next game, let's move on to the Sunday games, though. Again, I didn't see as much football over the weekend as I usually do, but went through highlights and read everything caught up. The Lions end up beating the Buccaneers by eight. So Tampa, they were, frankly, only in the playoffs because the NFC South is a terrible division. But they did win a playoff game. The biggest question I have about them is about Baker Mayfield. There seems to be mutual interest between the sides for him coming back for another year. Do you guys think that happens? Do you guys think Tampa should bring him back? Where where do you go there? I think they should bring him back for at least another year. I feel like he performed well enough. Now, in that division, I feel like they should have been able to do more, but he did enough to get them into the playoffs and win a playoff game. 
which is more than they could have asked for going into the season with their quarterback battle being open between him and Trask. So it just feels like to me that they owe him at least one more season. Now I could see them drafting a guy this year and try to like bridge between the two. If things kind of sour early on in the season. There could be some sort of like bridge deal because there's no, I don't see a world where Baker Mayfield gets a, a long term contract from Tampa here. But oh, I could hell see, no. a, yeah, I could see a deal where he gets one, maybe two years of guaranteed money, and then like, Tampa gives themselves an out after that. Like in my head, this is going to be like next season is going to be like a Tannehill Levis year. Okay. I could see that. But Tampa's going to be picking later in the first round, obviously, as a result of them winning a playoff game. They'll be picking 25th, 26th, somewhere in there. So if they wanted to get a quarterback in the draft, it might be a little bit more difficult for them to do that. I mean, at 25th, 26th, like you could still get a guy like Jaden Daniels or like Michael Penix. Daniels is not going to be on the board at 26, but that, I, I don't think. But that's a that's a different thing. I mean, Nick, what would you do? You think Baker sticks around? Yeah, I mean, I would sign him to a two or three year deal where he can opt out after the first or second year. I think the uh, I think honestly, their biggest issue is I'm not a Todd Bowles fan personally as a head coach. Great coordinator, not a good head coach. Um, I think they uh, they definitely uh, rallied in the last six game seven games. They won six of the last seven, um, and then they lost to the Lions. Um, I think. Um, the offense coordinator, I forget his name, uh, the new one that came in to replace Byron Leftwich, uh, did an amazing job with Baker Mayfield. Um, I think they still have a lot of issues. You know, they have an aging wide receiver group. Um, they're, they have no running game whatsoever. I like Rashad White as like a playmaker. But oh, I like have, Rashad White. Yeah, but they, their offensive line run blocking is putrid. And their defense is middle of the pack. Um, poor backside, great um, front side. Um, this man, <laughs> stop where I was going. <laughs> um, some people like their women that way, so you know. I mean, oh boy. <laughs> well, don't get us canceled, man. No. But uh, okay, first of all, piggyback it. So, offensive coordinator is Dave Canales. I agree, he did a good job. Um, I I also would think Baker's going to get a deal where he gets money guaranteed in the short term. But I do think the Buccaneers are going to be stuck in purgatory a little bit here because their roster isn't one that's so bad where they can tear all the way down, but isn't one that I think is any threat to win a championship anytime soon either. I just don't see that. I like a couple of their players, but they're on the older side. It's going to be harder for them to to win, especially without, uh, obviously they had Tom Brady before this. I'm not, Baker Mayfield did an admirable job stepping in here, but it's definitely a big difference to say the least here. I know that's not any news to anyone listening here, but I do think he was better than expected. And you mentioned Todd Bowles. I wanted to say one thing here, no matter what you think of him as a coach, I, um, I guess uh, the reason the Buccaneers lost is because the weather in the dome was a big factor in Detroit. Yeah. That reporter, uh, very uh, smart question. You know, a lot of times I just listen to reporters. I'm like, how do you have a job? Yeah, that's a bad one, man. I just I, I thought the answer Bulls game was pretty funny. He's like, y'all know they they got a dome, right? <laughs> um, uh, um I do want to throw two territory? things out there. Yeah, I mean that whole division is definitely purgatory, except for Atlanta. Atlanta's a quarterback away. 
gosh. You were the one who talked about Ritter as a breakout player. So how are you feeling about that right now? Still an option for uh, He had a breakout, just not the kind I wanted. Well, it's not the kind that we talked about on our episode, Blake. <laughs> Listen, okay, the supporting cat, I believe did we get some technical difficulties because he got really passionate about desmond ritter yeah i don't think the internet would let him talk about desmond ritter in a good way i'm not gonna let him either (laughs) okay this this is this is not the tangent i wanted to go now yeah look we're not talking about the falcons in this episode Uh, i i did want to I did want to throw two things out there about the Buccaneers. I feel like if Baker Mayfield gets a deal, it's going to be heavily team-friendly. Like, he might get his money up front, but they're definitely going to be able to opt out after one season. Right. And uh, I I just wanted to add that I agree with you, Swig. I, I feel like their core is on the older side, and it's – in this league, I don't feel like that boats very well with because uh, a lot of these teams that are performing really well are on the younger side. And Mike Evans to Kansas City, that's that's my last oh, point. All right. You always got a time in there. Look, Evans is obviously part of the core for Tampa that's on the older side now. So it's just something that they're going to look at. They they did the same thing on defense. Jamel Dean, for example. like They, they brought back some older players, but uh, the NFC South is obviously bad, so they could be back in the same spot next year. I still don't see a path to long-term contention for them at the moment, but I'll give Mayfield a lot of credit for stepping in and performing above everyone's expectations, I would say. He was solid. I'm not going to blame him for anything here, but I want to move on here to the last team. Obviously, the game of the weekend that everyone's talking about, and I think the team with the most questions here going forward would be the Buffalo Bills after they fall short, this time at home to the Chiefs. They've lost to them three times in four years. Everybody knows that. Looking forward here, I've got a lot of questions. I mean, Josh Allen is now on a huge contract, of course, so you don't have that salary cap cheat code of him being on his rookie deal. And there's a lot of key players on this team who are free agents or have questions, like Gabe Davis is a free agent. So is A.J. Epinesa. So is uh, Micah Hyde. There, There's guys like Jordan Poyer who are going to be a free agent after next year. You got questions on guys like Stefan Diggs, who had some key drops here, obviously, and hasn't been as productive. You got Tredavious White, who's had a ton of injuries. And Injuries were obviously a factor here for the Bills, missing Matt Milano and White and and Basham and everybody else. So there's a lot, but there's a lot of long-term questions here. The Bills are obviously have been built to contend right now. And for various reasons, mostly Kansas City related, they've fallen short. There's questions about their coaching and McDermott and if he's a terrorist now. So going into this offseason here, what, what are you guys looking at for the Bills? What do you think the keys are for them? Do you think they can stay as an elite team in the AFC, or do you think that there's going to need to be a little mini teardown? What are you looking for here? Um, I just want to say, if he makes another terrorist speech again, they might win more games, because clearly they went on a hot streak when he made that terrorist speech from the very beginning. Yeah, the team really blew up. <laughs> oh, and you, you say you don't want to get canceled with my joke, but that one? <laughs> uh, that's fair. Hot takes from there, boys. I want to say, I feel like this is going to be the first team that has to do a rebuild with a franchise quarterback. 
do you think it's more because like production they're losing or because it'll be harder to build around Allen or the AFC getting better? Like there's a few different factors. I mean, so like going well, back because to the- of the, the cap situation with Allen, I feel like they're going to be in a position where they have to let a lot of their core guys leave. So they're going to be forced to try to build through the draft, which I mean, they've had success building through the draft. I'm not going to knock them at all in that respect. But I feel like they're going to have to lean into that very heavily moving forward. So in my eyes, like, I, and let's be real. they If it wasn't for that, that uh, terroristic speech, this team missed the playoffs. Like, they were on the verge of not being in the playoffs at all until that speech. They went from 11th in the AFC to second in the AFC in the last five weeks, and they had the, the easier draw in the first round against the Steelers. They finally got Kansas City to come to Buffalo. And th- there were the missed opportunities. Somehow I didn't mention Tyler Bass in that in that speech. Obviously, he missing the field goal is part of it. But you throw the, the Diggs dropping the bomb down the field. They, they had their chances. And they were only able to force one punt. They did the bizarre fake punt with Hamlin where they couldn't convert, even though the Chiefs had 10 men on the field. Like, they just find ways to come up short in these situations. And they, I they, love this, I love the Make-A-Wish memes with Damar Hamlin. I will agree those were funny. But I like a Bills movie. fan, just a, a fan base perpetually tortured by stupid bullshit like this. I mean, you got to be at your wit's end here. And it feels like with so many important players on the Bills either reaching free agency now or with questions about their ability to stay on the field or their contract, like this is a massive crossroads for them. And they got some massive decisions to make. I guess – Yeah. I- when I, the way I see it with this team, um, I guess it's tough because I still don't believe in Sean McDermott. And I've been saying that since like last season or the year before. I don't believe in Sean McDermott. I like him as a coach. You know, he's a good coach. He Wherever he goes if, um, down the line, he's going to end up somewhere. But I think if you want to put this team to where they belong, which is a Super Bowl contender with Josh Allen – you got to get a different coach. This like Sean McDermott did a great job building this roster, but time and time again, his defense in the playoffs has cost him multiple times. And honestly, I know the injuries. Is not his, uh, yeah. That, that was uh, the worst I, one was the 13 seconds one. I know, I know injuries haven't been um, like the most friendly to him, And uh, they still like have a good statistically good defense, but I don't know, man. Like, they just seem way too Josh Allen dependent based off their offense, too. Um, It just seems like it's, hey, Josh, do everything you can for us, and hopefully we win the game, and hopefully our defense makes enough stops, and then we'll win. That, that That's kind of where it's came to the last few years. And I think they uh, they really hit their peak in that AFC championship game, AFC divisional. I'll say the AFC divisional. The AFC Divisional, they hit their peak. Every single year, it just feels like the same thing over and over again. I think they need to rebuild that defense completely with the new system, new coach, but that's just me personally. I I think we've kind of understood where Sean can take you. I like him, but I think if you want to win a Super Bowl, you got to let him go now before it becomes too late where the whole team crumbles with it. And then you have to, then you're already a couple years behind the eight ball and Josh keeps getting older. Right. 
Alan getting older is a big factor I wanted to mention here. I'm glad you brought that up. He's 28 or going into his age 28 season. Not that that's old or anything. We've seen quarterbacks remain productive, including right now, well past that. But you, you want to take advantage of his prime years. And as much as there was the deserved, in my opinion, criticism of Allen being too careless with the football, he was excellent in the playoffs. He, he did, protected the ball. He threw some absolute bombs to these receivers who dropped them or let him down. He like making him win the game for you isn't the worst strategy I've ever heard, but he put them in a pretty good position to do that. And some guys failed to come through for him. The injuries were definitely a factor, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We went through that already. Some of the healthier guys like Ed Oliver were complete non-factors. You need more from some of these guys. I do think there's a world where if the Bills are able to get a couple of younger contributors right away in the draft, which, and I think Brandon Bean is a good GM, they could easily be in the conversation again next year. But right now, with the current core that we've seen for the Bills for the last five years or so, and a lot of the key contributors going to be gone, like offensively, I'd like to see them revitalize the wide receiver position a bit, although I like Shakir a lot. I would I would like to give him some credit. I think Dalton King yeah. is pretty awesome, and they have some uh, some solid you – know, James Cook in the running game, some solid linemen. Like, I don't think it has to be as much of a as a change on offense – as it does on defense to Nick's point. But we haven't mentioned that they didn't have Leslie Frazier as their defensive coordinator this year. Maybe that was a bit of a factor. The injuries 100% were. I think they could be back here next year and then be younger on defense and better set up long-term. But they they need to figure it out right now if there's any, any chance of them doing that. But do you think that yeah. happens with Sean McDermott? That's like that. That's my no. main question. Like, Do you think that would happen with Sean? Because I, I don't, don't think, think so. Yeah, I don't think so. And that's the problem. I, see. I think they're going to be stuck in the same position where they're going to be a good team, not great team. It's always in the divisional round, winning a division or wild card round. And it's just going to be the same thing. And I think if you want to get that Super Bowl, unfortunately, you got. I think you have to let him go. And that's just I, – I, I know it stinks because he's done an amazing job. But I think – the old, obviously the ultimate goal is win a Super Bowl, and that defense needs revamped. You, all you need to give Josh is probably another wide receiver to help out Stefan and not get blanket with a corner and a safety over the top all the time. Uh, is 30, he'll be gone. Gabe yeah. Davis is clearly on his way out. So it's not it, – I agree with you, but that's easier said than done. Right. So, like, Nick, I want to ask you, like, okay, so if you're the Bills and, like, you've had this continued success with McDermott, but obviously he's not getting you to the promised land as the bills. Can you make that decision to take the chance on another coach when you already have so much success with this current one? Well, I think the, as an owner GM, you have to make the decision is making the playoffs repeatedly good enough for you, or do we want to take the risk and try it all in for a Super Bowl? That's the that's what you have to look at it because if you're okay because look Buffalo has been terrible before Josh Allen they had one playoff year with Tyrod Taylor other than that they haven't been good since the four straight years of the Super Bowl losing and since then like they've been terrible franchise so yes like this uh, consistency is great and you're finally getting back on the map but at this point don't you think it's enough by now? And now you expect see, more. See, to me, it's going to be too hard for them to take that chance on a new coach, and that's I why I will. see them. I see them becoming J. Cole's last album. This is the beginning of the fall off. 
I like I, it. I like it. That was a good one. Uh, you really pulled and, that one in. <laughs> yeah, I, I was working on how to fit that in there. Well, I'm glad you managed to because it was definitely worth the setup there. But like the, the, the one thing I would say, and I think you guys have both kind of hit on it too, is just – if they do, if the Bills were bold enough to go in a different direction at coach, there's obviously no guarantee it would fix their problems. They could easily blow up in their faces, and they could easily take a big step backward. So I, I don't want to suggest that that's going to be a cure-all for everything. If they yeah. say, okay, fuck it, we've gone as far as we can go with McDermott, and this isn't going – we're not going to win a Super Bowl with him. We need a change. And I wouldn't say that's wrong, but we have seen several examples over the years, obviously, of teams doing something like that and it backfiring. So I don't want – to say, oh, this will 100% work and the Bills will win the Super Bowl if they get rid of McDermott. It goes deeper than just him. But he has made uh, – he's been the one constant through this, right? They, they've they changed coordinators on both sides a couple times. Dorsey was fired earlier this year. It's just we, – we've seen everything else change. And as much as the Bills have fallen short here, I do still think Brandon Bean is a hell of a GM. So I yeah. don't want to put much, as much of it in on him either. So – that's where I'm at. There's a lot to say with the Bills, and I think they're going to be a team that we talk about more than most looking at the in free agency, see who stays and who goes. Like We could mention guys like Vaughn Miller, who was a complete fucking ghost on a massive contract, and Tredavious White, who's a hell of a talent but has been injured for like four years straight now. And it's not even just those two. Like The linebacking core was tortured in, in the game against the Chiefs, right? And Matt Milano and Basham being hurt was a big part of it. But they've had some bad luck. It's just you need so many things to go well. And even if you get everything to line up, you need good coaching to help put you over the top. I'm not convinced they're going to get it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, so. Uh, we got four and a half minutes left in the Zoom meeting, and I apologize to – to any Bills fans listening, I know there's going to be at least a few, so uh, I'm sorry for everything. Bills fans are fucking awesome, and I do hope you guys get something here in the, in the future as long as it's not against the Giants, but that's a separate uh, conversation. And now, real quick, before we get out of here, just do some quick predictions for the games on Sunday. Blake, since you got a team still playing, so do you think the Chiefs win? Oh, fuck yeah, we do. We're road, we're road warriors now. We can win on one game. Don't say road warriors. You can be confident, but don't do that. But they're playing the Ravens. Nick, who you got in the game? In that game, you got to go with the how about those Chiefs? Oh, man. I'm at the point where I'm going to pick the Chiefs until somebody proves me wrong. Exactly. That's where I'm at. Exactly. That's I do right. hope the Ravens prove me wrong, though. In fact, Same. yeah. Hey, you either die the hero or you live long enough to become the villain. You're yeah. absolutely the villain now. And then other game, NFC, Lions, 49ers, who you boys got? This Lions, is all the day. brand new Lions. It's got to be – you got to take out the kneecaps. Hey, hey, I called it. I called it in the season preview. Give me my week one rematch. Yeah, give them the week one the rematch. Week one rematch. I like that. I like that. I just I'm really sick of seeing Brock Purdy sitting there making a grilled cheese while uh, waiting for a wide receiver gets open, can call <laughs> his mom, do his thing, and still throw a duck. I'm sick of seeing it. He's not the guy. I need to see the Lions beat the 40 winers. Gotta see it. Lions, if they were to make the Super Bowl for the first time ever, that would be a hell of a story. Real, I will say it where we'll see what happens if Debo Samuel plays. 
If he doesn't, I think the Lions have a much better chance. Like it's been proven all year. The Lions haven't, or I mean, the 49ers haven't been the same team in the games where he's missed. And you can only check down so often. But it's kind of bold to pick two road teams, but we we do hot takes and cold beers here. I like it. I'm going to ride the train, but I'm going to say I'll be a lot more confident in it if Debo doesn't play. I want to say that if it is a Chiefs-Lions Super Bowl, I wouldn't even be mad if we lose. I would still be happy. It would be cool for Detroit. Although, also, I would recommend, like, if you're not a Lions fan in Detroit, like, get the hell out of there. What'd you say, Nick? Are you that spoiled in the Super Bowl that you're okay with the other another team winning? Uh, I hate that. No, no, it's because the Lions. If we play the Forty ers again and we lose, I will be crushed to my core. I would be too because we can't stand that team. <laughs> I can't like just the Brock Purdy that. The Brock Purdy hype that would happen if we lost to the 49ers would send me over the edge. I like Brock Purdy as a person. I I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. That's it. I like him as a person. He's not that good of a quarterback. He's been good. The the Uh, team is so fucking stacked. The offense is stacked. The play calling, the system's friendly to him. He's done a good job taking advantage of that opportunity. I will give him that. But I I agree. I mean, he has the Avengers on his side, though, and he's like little Ant-Man. I think a lot of it is just that he's not Trey Lance. But exactly. (laughs) We got less than a minute here, boys. I'm going to wrap this up. Want to thank both of you for coming on. Want to thank our audience for tuning in. Please give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Uh, Give us your predictions for the weekend and rate, review, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Share this with your friends and make sure to follow us on X and Instagram at Take a Swig Pod, spelled exactly like it sounds. But for Nick and Blake, this is Swig signing off. We'll be back next week. Have a good night, everyone.